0: We're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's a snack pack, everyone. It's Gerald Glassford coming up back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. And on this week's episode, we covered the disastrous weekend for the Marvels, the disastrous weekend for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, It's so funny because I was passing by the Strip today where the Formula One race is going to be on Saturday night. And wouldn't you know it, right on the marquee for one of the hotels right there is a big, loud ad for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. What they don't advertise is all the problems that have come out and the poor reviews of the campaign. So we talk about that. Plus also as well, we go into Netflix, Geeked Week, and more. So go ahead and check that out today where you get your podcast. Cool bro, what's up? Hopefully everything is well with you. Truly appreciate you stopping by to check us out. Plus also inside sports fantasy football, we will be covering week 11 in the NFL plus taking a look at some redemption stories in Dallas and Cleveland. Some real good redemption stories to talk about there on inside sports fantasy football. Plus also as well, of course, Joe Sorrow is hanging around somewhere Maybe here in a few minutes, we don't know. Ox1947, you can always find him though at Lakersball.com. Plus, he's working hard during the course of the week with his company, Simblades. Simblades with a y.com I will ask you, I will also tell you as well, you've got to go ahead and join the guys at Lakerholics.com. Laker Tom is the number one Lakers blogger that's out there, according to the statistics, because we all love to go by the analytics. So if that's the case, he's the number one Lakers blogger. You gotta go join him and Admiral Akbar, who was incorrect. It was almost a trap, but not quite a trap. So he was incorrect. But go ahead and check out his five things articles anyways at Lakerholics.com. Of course, our good friends, Empire Jeff TV. Of course, our good friends, Lakers in Five, Daniel Berry Sports Highlights, and John McCallian Please support those channels. And speaking of supporting the channel, if you're on Facebook and you've been one of the thousands of viewers that we've had over the course of the past three weeks, and I mean thousands. I counted, I think last count about 3,500? Not too shabby. Truly appreciate it. Go ahead and like and follow our Facebook page. And then if you're on YouTube, it's the little Joe with the BDIs eyes right below Sean, right there for you. If you want to poke his eye out right there, and that's okay, because then you'll be subscribed. And if you are, you'll get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Dante's in the house. Truly appreciate it. Listen to Pop Culture on if the, yes, there you go, absolutely, on the F movie. There you go. That's what we did last week. I had a special guest on that, someone who actually watched it along with myself, and that would be the man coming up here in just a second, Matching Man Sean Grice. Had a chance to go ahead and talk about that on one of last week's episodes, so please go ahead and check that out. Won't waste my time on that movie. If you're into the FNF lore, it's for you. If you're into looking at a quality horror movie, Sean, it's not for Mm-mm. you. Mm-mm. That's all I'll say. Yes, there Joke, was a right? reason. There was a reason why it had a huge second week drop. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. But also as well, go ahead and check out everything that we're doing right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Darren says, you guys, we're all on the same page, though. Are we really, Darren? Because after we got off the air, we had a commenter. Sometimes those commenters, you know, I don't want to say they're supposed to get to us per se, but they make us think sometimes about some of the things we say over the course of what we say on the shows. So we did have a commenter. And you know what? I truly appreciate you guys commenting, whether it's on the air now or you email us, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com, or you go ahead and you let us know right below in the comments after we're off the air on YouTube. So, yeah, absolutely. Had a great commenter that that actually stopped by, Shinobu19. He was on the air. After we uh, left off the air, he left his comment and said, you guys are hilarious. It's November. Chill out. The team is getting better. Cam is becoming a player. Rui is starting to find his game. Austin is finding his game. D'Lo had a 10 assists and one turnover, which I pointed out by way, and it was 11 assists and one turnover. The team is getting better, and you guys are too grumpy to even notice it. So I thought to myself, self, hmm, he could be right. We could be too grumpy. We could be too angry. We could be too disoriented. We could be too just in the moment as far as the struggles for the Lakers at 5-5 five and five, heading into tomorrow night's game against Memphis. And saying to ourselves, maybe we should just take a step back. Are we being too critical of the Lakers? Are we being too grumpy when it comes to the Lakers? Or do we see some real issues and concerns that maybe justify the 5-5 five and five record that we now have? And here today to discuss that is my fellow host indeed. He is the madman from Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic to go ahead and talk about whether or not he has been too grumpy and if he has been too critical when concerning the Lakers. It is Magic Man, Sean Grice. And Magic Man, great to have you here. Ox 1947, I will not disagree with that statement that you are angry all the time. That has been noted several times on the podcast, among other things that you've been called on the podcast. And he's in the chat right now. Maybe he'll try to join us when he can. But Magic Man, my thoughts on this, uh, you know, again, you know, taking a step back. I think people are also, when they look at that side of it, that's a very optimistic, aka Laker Tom point of view, which is good to have. You know, the Lakers stuff don't stink. Walk on water. Everything's great. Everything's improving. D'Lo has been, uh, you know, has a great assist to turnover ratio, almost Tyrese Maxi like. And then you have Austin Reeves doing much better now. That he's off the bench. Everything is rosy, right? Everything is okay, absolutely right. Everything should be fine, right? Am I right? Right,
1: you may be right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, something, Gerald, that uh, this whole conversation reminds me of what uh, uh, Samuel Clemens, better known as Mark Twain, once said, Never put off tomorrow what can be done the day after tomorrow. And that's just what what Ham is doing right now, Gerald. So I don't think we're grumpy in that sense. I actually think we're um, we're we're pretty uh, stoic. Uh, I, that's that's what I would call our analysis so far throughout the season. I don't think it's been grumpy or uh, a little salty or choleric. I think it's just been straight straight up. Meat and potatoes, we've called it like we've seen it, and you know what? It's not good. Five and five is a 500 team through 10 games. You're an eighth away through the season now. But he is
0: right. We are better than last season. That is
1: 100% true. No, one, no. That's That's inarguable. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. Two and eight, five and five, you'll take five and five every time. I agree. I agree. Uh, that being that being said, <clears throat> when uh, you looked at the schedule, Gerald, you kind of figured, well, maybe the Lakers should be a little bit better than five hundred after ten games. And when you see the um, the lackadaisical effort with the fundamentals, you still had it. You were still within ten points of that Sacramento game. You were in, uh, so. You can't. You can't point to just. You know, they're getting their sea legs underneath them, and you know. But us, every team.
0: I, but let me every say, th- every every team in the NBA has like one or two games already this season where they said they could have won, mm-hmm. they should have won. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we're we're the same thing. We have two games where we definitely could say, you know what, if the ball went a couple different ways, we could have won that as well, right, my friend?
1: Absolutely, Gerald. Ball bounces another way. Lakers don't go to uh, OT against the Sacramento Kings and just leave that arena with a victory. So, very true. Ardent truth right there. You know, a lot of teams can say that. That being said, Gerald, the Lakers are 500, and it's a reflection when you just look at the, the veneer. You don't even look need to look at the taproot. You can just look at the tree. Average offense right now, You are a below-average team when it comes to facilitating. You are a bottom-third team when it comes to rebounding. You are one of the worst teams at not only offensive rebounding, but creating steals and blocks to create opportunities in transition, Gerald. The Lakers' uh, formula from last year uh, and – far be it from any of us to suggest that Jared Vanderbilt would, uh, would be a a make or break. He's not, he's not a game wrecker. So despite your 18 and seven finish there at the end, you still had basically five out of your six big guns and you're a below average offense at this point. Uh, Gerald, the defense is getting a little bit better, so th- th- I don't think that's a huge concern mm-hmm. over over the season. The, the, there are signs it, it's it's steadily improving. That being said, the half court offense is still abysmal, and they had trouble scoring in the half court against Portland when AD was not on the floor. So, if you're <clears throat> obviously if you're missing AD and LeBron. Um, that's a struggle, but there's going to be times when both of them are going to be sitting, and I'm sure at some point Ham's just going to have to stagger their minutes just based off necessity at some Mm -hmm. point. But, but regardless, you're going to have to find some competent way, uh, to score with them off the floor. And we found it difficult against a team with you know half G League players, Gerald, last night. So that was that was a struggle to watch and i don't think in in totality that that game is necessarily a fraction of the season overall but it is re- it is a reflection of how they're playing right now which is up and down
0: well we've, t- we've talked about this season already about how many times the lakers have played down to their competition mm-hmm. we've talked about the houston game we talked about the orlando game we've talked about other games already in fact the portland game Portland game, yes, LeBron's not in there. We already know about the on-off numbers. They're not pleasant. But still, with everybody else, for the most part, outside of Jared Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent not, you know, in there, there should have been no reason why the Lakers, when they had a double-digit lead, finished it off, put it away, put it to bed, put it to rest. But the Lakers found a way to go ahead and make this game all too competitive and give Portland every chance to go ahead and win that game. And had they had more experience or just even another talented player in the mix, Magic Man, that was healthy, because they also had their share of uh, unhealthy players that were out of the lineup, they could have really stolen that game because we were starting to sense it. Joe, you, myself, Stone, Laker Nick, we all on playback were commenting that we were seeing a downward trend and it was not looking very good for the Lakers last night. So when we're told that we're too grumpy, we're told, you know, and we've been told for years now on this show, especially within the past two years, ironically, since Joe's joined, that especially that we're too critical. Although this has been told even before he got here, especially now that the Lakers are five and five with a, with a chance now with this next week ahead of them, clearly with some very beatable teams, no excuse time is the next 5 games is my opinion absolutely no excuse they should go 5 and 0 i don't want to sound like laker tom when i'm saying that but you know what you got to sound like laker tom when you're saying that even with LeBron possibly out of the lineup tomorrow absolutely no excuses 5 and 0 that has to be the do because again going 10 and 5 you're much better about your outlook going forward to get one of those top 4 seeds joe was talking about and lamenting about it. so when we talk about being us being possibly being too critical or being too grumpy, as we were told in the comments. It's for a reason. It's because we see things that we don't like. We see trends that the Lakers are following that we don't like. We see an overall picture that is not painting itself well unless things change. So that's what we're concerned about. Our love for the Lakers also Keeps our eyes wide open on why we think the Lakers are doing well or not so well at various times of the season. Magic man,
1: absolutely drilled. And just as uh, you know, uh, government officials ask uh, you know economic experts uh, about lagging indicators because those those aren't necessarily embedded into the pie, right? Laker fans come to us for the same thing we see lagging indicators with the team that maybe everybody else as a collective doesn't necessarily see it, but they're there. We're not, we're not making it up. We're not seeing things that aren't there. It's just to maybe the naked eye. It's, it's not as uh, focused as it is with us, Jill. but uh, you're right. I mean, we've kind of seen this coming. Uh, I will say this, you know, I don't think it's hilarious that in ten games the Lakers have been outscored in every first quarter except one, and that was again against the team that was missing their three best offensive perimeter players, um, and uh, a hell of a front court player. And uh, best wishes to uh, Robert Williams the Third, Time lord yes. For uh, man, that sucks because he's a really great player to watch. That being said, Gerald. The Lakers, uh, the Lakers shouldn't have gotten themselves into a rock fight. And uh, I'll use this analogy because uh, as Gerald was talking about playing down to the competition, it almost feels like that Goliath is going into the Coliseum against David. And all David needs is one shot with that slingshot between the eye, Gerald. And if Goliath lets David hang around, uh, that happens. So, uh, the legends of lore are there for a reason you can't let you can't let a, um, a, an upstart or a, um, you know a, well, a team that you know, of the litter have, yeah yeah any have business, talent. you shouldn't you shouldn't be in the same building and yet you're getting into a rock fight with them and it, it, it's the same issues that were from last year I mean the difference is they won this game but the effort was the same, um, you know. If you're going to look at a game like the Pacers, uh, where Andrew Nemhard just and it just killed us at the end. That was a heartbreaker. If the if the game went to OT, Gerald, I uh, I have a feeling Gerald and Joe were going to say we're not going to win this game in OT, and and they would have been right because uh, I mean at that point, uh, Portland was coming. They just ran out of time, Gerald.
0: But that, that's but that's what I'm trying to tell you. When we see these things that are not gelling as well, I mean we're a team, we're an organization, we're in a situation right now, Magic, coming off the Western Conference Finals, we're expecting as a fan base that this team needs to go ahead and play at a certain level it it, you know, in order for last year's success not to be a fluke, If you understand what I'm saying. Yes, right. Because right now, when you come back off of a Western Conference final season and you go five and five, that is not promoting that you made the right steps during the offseason. That's not promoting very well that that run that the Lakers had was very believable or sustainable. And, you know, you see Denver. Denver's just cruising along at eight to two, even without Jamal Murray. And you see some of these other teams that are playing really well. Philadelphia, you see Boston. They're just in cruise control right now. So there's other teams out there from the playoff stretch that are playing at a good play, at a good pace, at a good play, at a good rate. Whereas with the Lakers, again, with the supposedly revamped lineup, which is supposed to make our depth even better, so far we've gotten mixed results, my friend.
1: Yeah, Gerald, uh, that's very true. When you take a look at the top of the standings, I mean. The the only two teams that really didn't have a deep playoff run were our Dallas and Minnesota. So uh, that's a very uh, very um, articulate point you made there, Gerald. And yes, that so the, the the proof is in the pudding, as they say. The evidence is there for for the eyeballs. Every every other team who made a deep run has either improved or hasn't slacked off. Well. You've gone from, from an eighteen and seven finish in the season to then an eight and four starting the, the first two rounds and you're bombed out in the Western Conference Finals. You should come back either as strong or stronger, and that hasn't happened, Gerald. There's been some really slack in that and I think that's an important word to discuss here because rather than discuss why we're grumpy why isn't everybody pointing to the fact that there is a severe lack of concentration and or effort uh, with most of the problems? Because most of our problems are solvable in-house. We, we, do, we do need a little bit of snarl and snot on the perimeter eventually, I think, Gerald. And you should probably look at adding a shooter or two that uh, maybe wouldn't crumble under the bright lights of L.A., uh, but other than that, your I think your your biggest problems are being able to be solved in house. But th- the fact of the matter is, is that do we have the the, the right coaching staff for that as well? You, it, j- ladies and gentlemen, I know it's a different sport, but you saw what what a poor coaching staff can do to a team, a talented team tonight that happened in western new york uh the buffalo bills inexplicably had 12 men on the field during the last play and as gerald will tell you having 12 men on the field when a field goal is missed is like losing a hot girl's number at the wedding the the day after it rips your stomach out and it costs them the game and it can cost you a series and gerald That's all we're saying is that it's the little things that kill over time. Those small bleeds, and we're noticing small bleeds that lead to big problems down the road. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break.
0: Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible. It's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yeah. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. When you're a terrible offensive rebounding team and you're a substandard defensive rebounding team, how many offensive rebounds do we give up in a game? I don't even want to look at that stat because it'll probably just make me more grumpy. And then you have the Lakers' three-point shooting, and I'm iz You know, it's gotten to the point where Z and and I don't know if it was Darren or Intel, they're all convinced now that that you know it's the Lakers curse. What? A, give me a break! Suddenly that you know that curse doesn't affect the other team playing on the same court, making their threes. So. Yeah,
1: you know? and, and and don't get yeah, no, Gerald, don't give me that. It, a right, a a great hitting right fielder doesn't forget how to hit in Yankee Stadium or Chavez Ravine, and a great, you know, hockey player doesn't forget how to score if they get traded from New York to Vegas, Gerald. That that's ridiculous. I agree, a hundred percent. Christian, it, we're watch.
0: shooting forty percent?
1: He is, and is he Chris, struggling. Is, is yeah. he
0: got the curse?
1: yeah and as i as i uh pointed out earlier and um i'll uh uh, give our audience a a look as well gerald it's not just the accuracy from the three that's a problem it's the frequency the wrong players are shooting the wrong type of shots and that's why they're not falling christian wood is the only player who's shooting above 37% from three from the non-corner and the corner. That's a problem. And it's myself at pointed out last night, when Rui Hashimura, LeBron James, and Christian Wood are your best three-point shooters right now, you have a problem with shooting. It's a problem. How do you solve a problem? Like Gabe Vincent and Cam Reddish can't hit a corner three. <laughs> Those are two little wrinkles right now, Gerald. That are hem- hemorrhaging the offense. It really is. It, it's it's an internal bleed. Nobody can. Nobody really sees an internal bleed until you you rub on that stomach and it gets a little hard. We see the bleeds.
0: Remember, we were talking for most of the season about how the Lakers, on one hand, had you know that many corner threes. I was thinking about it, and remember Cam Reddish in the Phoenix game. Cam Reddish may have made as many corner threes in one game as we've made all season before that time. Quite the possibility in there. I don't know. I'm assuming that's not the case, but it's close. And the problem that is close, when it's the corner three, which is statistically the easiest shot of all the threes, that's got to be troubling. That means that no one is being effective outside from three right there. And if it takes Cam Reddish to go ahead and come and save the day for you from the outside, that is a big problem as well, my friend. And you call us grumpy, that's fine. We may be grumpy when we point that out, but the facts are the facts and the truth is the truth. You have guys like Prince, Reeves, and Russell that are supposed to be your target shooters, your your volume three-point shooters with accuracy. Let's put Wood aside. Let's put Rui Hashimura aside for a second because those guys, if they give you 37 to 40% shooting on any volume, consistent volume, that's a bonus. That's mm-hmm. a win to me. But when those three guards, or if you want to call Torian Prince a small forward, those three guys are not shooting above 35 37%, especially Mr. Torian Prince who guaranteed he would be above 40%, that's a problem. That's a concern because those guys were all around 40% last year. And if they're closer to 30%, that's a big issue that you have right there. Yesterday, the Lakers managed to win the game with only four made three-pointers all game long. But you're saying we're being too critical. You're saying we're being too grumpy about these. We see these things played against teams with that barely throw out a lineup at this point in time. And you're telling us to, that we're too grumpy. That's to me. It's just a concern, a concern that we're supposed to relate to you. We cannot go la di da di da. Everything's great, uh, you know. Uh, Austin Reeves is now fantastic. Second coming of Manu Ginobili, according to Darvin Ham, and then you have D'Angelo Russell. He's got a now uh, assist to turnover ratio better than what uh, Steve Nash, you know, and all that. You just you, you cannot go ahead and and. You know, just say okay, that's great and all, but you gotta remember, D'Angelo Russell still ineffective defensively. Austin Russ, Austin Reeves got demoted because he's also ineffective defensively. And there's issues and there's problems throughout, but there's also things that you can find that are good as well. Again, Austin Reeves now finding his note, now finding his his way and navigating his way as a coming coming off the bench guy, as a role man, as a six six man type of deal you've got Rui Hashimura coming back from his injury really starting to play well almost like the Rui almost as good as the Rui of the playoffs and if he, I said before in the summer if he plays anywhere near that level that's a big bonus for the team but again these are small things that are coming and DeAngelo Russell the assisted turnover issue that's great but again you've got to go ahead and make sure you have defenders around him and we, you know, we'll talk about the injury status of uh, Jared Vanderbilt here in a minute and, and for LeBron James coming up for tomorrow's game in a minute. But, again, there are some things you can look at as positives, but you do have to be concerned overall when the Lakers are still only 5-5. Five and five. Yes, absolutely, Gerald. And, you, you know, there's, there's all 31.8 and climbing on the percentage rate for <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were at 29. Only up from here.
1: Yeah, 29 point, 29.7 uh, coming into uh, the Phoenix game. So, yeah, we're moving on up percentage by percentage. Yes. <laughs> uh, Gerald, you know, I just, you know, I have to say something here. And, you know, credit to Darv again, credit to Darvin Am for talking up Austin Reese. But please, sir, please do not compare Manu Ginobili and austin reeves that's not fair to manu ginobili and it's definitely not fair to austin reeves before manu ginobili ever stepped on an nba court gerald as you know he was already an accomplished basketball player uh globally he won an mvp in the italian league he won championships he was an accomplished fiba player for argentina um you know, he wasn't getting punked in FIBA games, Gerald. He was doing the punking. And, uh, you know, that's not that's not a disrespect to Austin, Gerald. The, I don't mean it as a slight at all. All I'm saying is that that, that is really an unfair comparison in the sense that uh, Manu Ginobili sacrificed almost as much, I think more, than Tim Duncan did um and he had he had immense talent austin does not have the kind of talent that that man who has i think Oz, I, I, you know if you're talking about a, a great sixth man um you know i think austin definitely could be uh, uh, akin to you know a detlef shrimp or a tony kuko somebody off the off the bench who's got a nice shooting touch and can can run the offense a little bit um, those guys I think would be more in his wheelhouse rather than trying to compare to a Hall of Famer. Uh, that and with that being said, that we're pointing out small flaws that are going to show up big later on right now. It's only 10 games, it's an eighth through the season, but there are just small, small things that we see. And by the way, some of them aren't very small. Myself and Gerald both know. The problem with D'Angelo Russell isn't game one to 82. The problem with D'Angelo Russell is game 83 and beyond. How effective is he defensively game 83 and beyond? That's what matters most. Um, he got played off the floor in, a, in the most significant moment of the season for the Lakers, drilled, um, And it hasn't improved it hasn't improved those small those flaws uh, i'm sorry i don't i don't see an improvement you don't see an improvement uh necessarily either uh, stone hansen hasn't seen an improvement joe hasn't seen an improvement i really haven't seen any other uh laker community either uh, on the web or outside uh, our circles who believe that there has been significant improvement with uh, his defense and nobody really can make heads or tails of what the hell Jared Vanderbilt's uh, going to be about because we just don't know, Gerald. That's great. That's great. We got an update about an update, right? But we really don't know anything. But but good on the Lakers for the big T's.
0: So let, me, so let me give this out. And once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate you joining us. Wanted to go ahead and mention, Jared Vanderbilt has given the update upon all updates. Yes, we were being so... I will say, Magic, maybe we were being a little bit facetious when it came to the announcement of the announcement of what's going on with, with Jared Vanderbilt. I will give people that on that. But Jared Vanderbilt is the latest has been cleared to begin a return to play progression by the Lakers team doctors the team has announced. So he now officially has a pathway to getting back to the court as opposed to whatever they were doing before. So the one thing I wanted to say that maybe – people were also saying in, in the chat you know Z and Intel wild you know last night's chat they were saying and they were they were talking about how maybe I was being too critical of Jared Vanderbilt's importance to the Lakers because they were really buying in on the importance of Jared Vanderbilt to the Lakers this season. I'm not trying to underestimate him, but he is a rotation player. He only gives you so much at certain points of time. He can, if he's played correctly and and put out there in a good lineup that's built around or that that works well with him, that Darwin Ham puts out there. If he's you know they really figure it out, he can really be advantageous for your team out there. Conversely, he's got flaws in his game that, if exploited, can also work against you, as we saw in the playoffs. It worked both for the Lakers and against the Lakers as far as having Jared Vanderbilt at their times. He's a rotational player. That's what rotational players are. Rotational players have flaws, for the most part, that you can exploit. But also, conversely, there's also rotational players on the other team that you can exploit them. It's a chess match. That's why, especially in the playoffs, these things stand out a lot more. I understand that Jared Vanderbilt's a great hustle player, good rebounder, good on-point defender and he does bring those things to the game which the Lakers certainly do need but I don't want to over impact the performance. I don't want to tell or buy into this that Jared Vanderbilt I don't want to see he's the greatest thing since sliced bread but I don't want to say he's so important to the Lakers that when he comes in, you're going to see such a dramatical change in the team. I, I'm i hoping that that's the case and I'm proven wrong, but I just don't want to lead people on and just build him up to a point and say, you know, get burnt by the fact when he comes in there, maybe can't give us a contribution that we were expecting.
1: Uh, yeah, Gerald, I, I agree a hundred percent. And um...
0: let me just, my apologies. Let me just, Darren it's in the comments last night. Uh, you want to check that out. They were, Really feeling last night that you know he is an important impact player for the Lakers, and I'll give them that he has his moments. But you know, again, he's a rotational player, and he always has been, and will continue to be for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, Gerald, uh, there's no doubt that you know in in certain matchups he's going to play 25 to you know 28 minutes, be effective. Uh, be a springboard defensively um be tenacious uh, there are also times where he's gonna play either five minutes or eight minutes because the matchups dictate that it's not good for him um you know it it, it doesn't it doesn't it shouldn't need to be stated that being said the Denver Nuggets had all the information they needed on Jared Vanderbilt Gerald. They're the ones who identified him in the draft. They had him in the building first before Minnesota, before uh, Utah, before the Lakers did. They knew who they were dealing with, um, and they were able to play him off the floor, as we saw, Gerald, because Jamal Murray has a certain set of skills um, in his bag that are a little bit more efficient than, say, Steph Curry or uh, John Morant. And the Nuggets exploited that, Gerald. And, you know, we're going to see that uh, again. uh, You know, Jared Vanderbilt can be very effective against guards like John Morant and uh, Steph Curry. He can also be effective against um, uh, bigger point guards like uh, Luka. He has effectiveness with Devin Booker and uh, Brandon Ingram, but he also has his flaws as well, Gerald. A team like the Oklahoma City Thumb thunder with Chat holmgren and the will and the williams brothers <laughs> i'd call them the brothers but you get my point um they have a lot of size a lot of length a lot of skill that would play somebody like jared vanderbilt off the floor and it that's hundred percent correct. I mean, Gerald's assessment. I agree with. There are certain matchups where he's very advantageous to have as a perimeter defender, but then there are other matchups where he is just a void, either, uh, offensively or defensively. And as we stated before, you need at lo- at least at, at least four really good defenders around D'Lo, and if you have D'Lo. And Jared Vanderbilt on the floor together, you need to compensate Vanderbilt's uh, deficiencies offensively, drilled. And but it's you a need constant... three good shooters,
0: shooters. around. To... It's like it's, a it's, it's, it's a an on there.
1: Yeah, it's it, a paradox. It's yeah. so it's such a paradox, Gerald. Great, great point. Yeah, Ham has such a paradox. Uh, looking at this objectively, like objectively. It's so true. That's a great point, Gerald.
0: I mean, there were times last year when Vanda only plays like 10, 15 minutes. Why is that? Because they can't find him with a lineup that works well with, you know, when they play against the team that they're facing against. It just, the matchups don't work. So he is in certain matchups, very important to the Lakers. And in other matchups, he will not be important to the Lakers it's just that simple that's what rotation players are Christian Wood even to the point where you get DeAngelo Russell even to the point where you get to Austin Reeves, these guys are all rotational players they all have their flaws but yet they all have their strengths that if properly utilized by the coach and properly implemented and properly you know as far as teammates alongside of them can be also utilized very well of course as well
1: yeah, ab- absolutely, Gerald. And with uh, with Reddish's confidence uh, offensively, if you can if you can find a way to in- insert Vanderbilt in that starting lineup, I, I have a feeling that y- your bench play will be significantly improved. It, it could possibly want to be the the best mob units in the league, um, especially considering the fact that, as Gerald has pointed out. Rui slowly, he hasn't taken enough shots from the corner to really make heads or tails about whether or not he can, he can take them and make them. But he's made enough non-corner threes where I think you know he needs to be fed more there, Gerald. Because I think him and Wood, um, can be effective, uh, from the corners. The the Lakers just have to find better actions. Like, and again, it, this is the frustrating part about Darvin Ham is that, you know, if you had, um, like, five boxes with different sets, it seems like Ham would go to the one box he likes the most. Gerald, it, it, it's either Garish or it's, it it looks the best, or he thinks that he could get the most out of it. Rather than experimenting with all the different boxes, he has his favorites, and that that has posed a problem because again, because our middling offense is so predictable, it makes in-game adjustments easier for the opponent than it is for ham to adjust to what they're doing. Because they've they don't really need to make adjustments off what we're doing because we're predictably running very similar actions.
0: The thing, though, with Adam and Darren, I agree with it when it comes to Gabe Vincent. And once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is the Magic Man, on Grice and me, Joke Thanks so much for watching listening. And a lot of people are talking about Gabe Vincent in regards to if D'Lo falls apart in the playoffs if we continue to keep him on the team past the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Gabe Vincent, which Gabe Vincent are you going to get? Gabe Vincent is a very streaky shooter. You know, he carried Miami and stretches in the playoffs with his hot shooting. But conversely, when it came down to it in the finals, he got cold as ice and got played off the floor. So, you know, if you're able as a coach to recognize when he is on fire and play him, play him to the hilt. Go ahead put him out there and just see if he can go ahead and take you home. If he can't, then obviously that's going to be a problem for the Lakers. We just... Finding consistent role players, Magic Man, is extremely difficult in the NBA. And I think that's the key to a championship. With Denver, they found a consistent role player in Brown. Bruce Brown played exceptional for them throughout the playoffs, and especially when it mattered the most. And that's what really got the job done outside of Nikola and Jamal Murray, was how well he played plus also as well, Aaron Gordon, uh, KCP, um, MPJ, those role players, because those guys are role players to an extent, they played their role to a T and they were consistently good time in and time out. Plus they got Christian Braun, Brown, Braun, those guys together. That's what drove them to the championship last year. And that's what you will find in championship runs by any of these teams is not only you will find where the stars are being the stars, but the role players step up and are consistently good when it matters the most. That is so hard to find in the NBA as far as consistent role play from your non-stars that are out there. And so that's what you're continuously going to get It. So when we look and when we see these guys, we're pointing out their flaws. We do point out their positives, Magic Man, but we have to understand that I don't want people to come in and just expect so much for Vando, expect so much for him to go ahead and save the day and lead us on this charge and give us all this energy and things of that nature. And it just doesn't happen. First of all, he's when he comes back, he's going to be very limited in his minutes. So people got to understand that. So when you finally get the Vando that we are used to seeing, that could be late December at the earliest. So, I mean, people have to understand that you know, when it comes to what we have on this roster, we have some talent on this roster. We should be having a better record than we do now. That's why we're concerned. That's why we're being critical. That's why we're just pointing these things out because this is a more talented team on paper than their five and five record indicates.
1: A hundred percent, Gerald. And Gerald, uh, you know, it's interesting now that I'm, Processing and, and thinking and reflecting. And at the same time, the team that benefited the most from from the shrapnel from the rush trade, Gerald, and the shrapnel from the KD and Kyrie disintegration was the Denver Nuggets. They needed snot and snarl on the perimeter, Gerald. Remember, the year before they won the championship, the Warriors knocked them out. And Denver realized that they needed snot and snarl on the pruner. They had the shooting. They had the rebounding. They just they just needed a little bit more snot and sandpaper. And they identified Davies Caldwell Pope, snatched him up immediately, Gerald, after the after that that debacle and uh, got a pretty good deal for him. And then identified Bruce Brown and got him. Uh, we've we talked about it, Gerald. I, I, I know I know there's a lot of talk about about uh, Caruso. The Bulls have Io Dunsmore, who is a winning basketball player, Gerald. He plays a kind of snot Desunmu? and snarl. Desunmu, plays a snot and snarl game similar to Alex Caruso. They also have Pat Williams. You know, it it's not as if Alex Caruso is the only uh, hot item on the Bulls menu. IO, Pat Williams, I mean, Gerald, if, if you're gonna make a big deal, you might as well go big, right? So if uh, if the Lakers are thinking about if Polinkka is thinking about this, then go big because well, let me ask we, you this he, if, if
0: they've been if they're so great and believe me, I've seen the same things you have and, and seen all the, the the praise gone their way. Why aren't they a good team then in Chicago? Yeah, that that
1: it's 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 strange, right? How how sometimes that uh, that works out. I mean, why weren't why weren't the Nets a great team with uh, Kyrie, KD, Bruce Brown, uh, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert? Like, come on, right? It, it's strange. It it and the problem is it really, as Gerald's kind of alluding to, it taints everybody not even if you are a good player and scouts see what you're doing and it you're still on a bad team you're still you're still on a bad team it's like that that branch ricky story Gerald, about uh his baseball team lost 54 games yet he had the the league leader in home runs right and the home run leader walked into his office and asked uh, him for a raise and said a raise i'm going to trade you and the player said, "Trade me. I'm your best player." And to Gerald's point, he said, "I would have finished in last place without you anyway." So, just saying, it's just it's true. It's it's true. It's true. At the end of the day, unfortunately, everybody gets tainted at, with that, as Joe called it, the stink and the the contagion of losing. Uh, it just wafts and spreads on everything, and he they're not the only ones Gerald. I mean there there are other great there are other great players out there. I just use that as an example, but the fact of the matter is is that uh, you know uh, G- Gabe Vincent aside, Jared Vanderbilt aside, as Gerald has said, they're rotational players. They're gonna have minimal to mod just moderate effect. and th- that moderate effect is really only sustainable as Gerald will tell you, for about 20, 25 games because you need your 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 bit studs to take you all the way there. Yes, you need the others for spots, but to get you over the top, you need your core to do that. And Gabe Vincent and Jared Vanderbilt shouldn't be part of that core because they're not effective enough to make a difference to where I feel that the, the Lakers uh, can compete. Uh, it's, it's great to, it's great that they're, they're bobbing up and down the water drill. We're five of five. Something's got to be done because we, we, we kind of see that. like, we see this Gerald, the bill, the Buffalo bills had one of the worst first quarters in the NFL this season, and it's cost them. Now you're almost halfway through the year. I know people are saying, well, you know what, Gerald and Joe and Sean and LFV, you guys need to pump the tires on on what the problems are. Well, you know what? Instead of pumping the tires when you're skidding off the road, you're supposed to accelerate, not stop on a dime, because you're going to kill yourself in a spin out. So there's no pumping the tires. You need to hit, go, and get off the shoulder Gerald because that's where we're riding right now
0: we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout but we'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast hey Lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos articles podcasts Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching this thing. I told you how great it is to have Magic Mac back in the saddle with us. He's been doing a great job, as always. I cannot thank him enough for being a part of what we do here. Such a tremendous force behind the scenes and also here at the Lakers fast break in front of the camera right here, whether it's the pregame, like tomorrow we're going to go ahead and have before the Memphis game, or the playback, playback.tv slash Fast Break, where he absolutely does an outstanding job as host and curator and sometimes, you know, preschool teacher for all of us as far as overseeing what's going on with, <laughs> with all the comments that are made by Joe, myself, Stone, or Laker Nick that's out there. But also as well, of course, a great part of what we do here at the postgame for tomorrow night. So please join us tomorrow. All day long, right there for you at the Lakers fast break. We'll go ahead and make sure your day is filled with all the Lakers knowledge. But before we head out, my friend, I want to talk to you about the injury status and injury report for the Lakers. Jared Vanderbilt, notwithstanding. So, you know, I still say it's going to be another two weeks. You know, it's funny because it was two weeks just for another two weeks at least, or maybe for even another two weeks after that. But for LeBron James, he is currently listed. That's questionable for tomorrow's game. I think Anthony Davis' listed is probable for tomorrow's game, so he should be okay against the Memphis Grizzlies. But right now, LeBron is in question. Your, Your thoughts, do you see him playing tomorrow night against Memphis, or do you see them having him hold out for another game?
1: Yeah, let's... You know what, Gerald? They should have been able to pop the Portland Trail Blazers. So now... The Memphis Grizzlies beat a dumpster fire across <laughs> across the room. If you can't beat them with LeBron sitting, and by the way, Gerald, LeBron should sit. Sit again, LeBron. Take a night off again because you've been carrying this load for way too long already, and it's about time. Put your foot down and say, go get it because I'm not going to be out there You guys could get this yourselves. You don't need me. And AD should take it upon himself, Gerald, to have... And I'm predicting this, Gerald. AD is going to have a huge game. He wanted to rough up Triple J in the playoffs because Anthony is both a proud man and a very proud teammate. And he really wanted, I think, to show up Triple J... On the defensive end, and I think he wants to do it again. And Gerald, with with Dylan Brooks gone, honestly, a lot of the a lot of the luster and um, pixie dust from the the Grizzlies kind of tête-à-tête with uh, LeBron has kind of uh, lost lost a lot of its flavor. So I, uh, you know, I would I would love it if LeBron would would sit out this game because then he's going to be available again for the Sacramento Kings on a few days rest and we're going to need them.
0: It is, of course, like we talked about the Memphis Grizzlies coming into town or actually they're already in town because they already beat the Clippers with James Harden and that whole crew. Are they going to do the back-to-back against the Lakers? Will they go ahead and win two games in Los Angeles? We'll find out tomorrow. Hoping not. Hoping the Lakers can go ahead and overcome that and, Continue with a successful run. They need to go on a winning streak, and it needs to happen now, my friend. And I know that I'm continually harping on it, maybe being too critical, maybe being too grumpy about it per se. But I cannot stress enough how important this next five game stretch is for the Lakers in regards to the teams that they're facing next. Magic Man, all of them, they should be favored here in Vegas. All of them. They should just go ahead, even with or without LeBron, be able to take care of business each and every time out. My concern is, as we've seen, they played to the level of their competition and they take their foot off the gas, whatever you vernacular you want to use in regards to what they've done to just not play mentally strong and finish off teams like this at all this season. In fact, we even saw it last season to a great extent during the regular season as well. So my question to you is, What are your expectations? I know you talked about a little bit on last night's game, but maybe people got caught up in the fact we're being too critical or grumpy with the whole situation going on with the Lakers. What are you expecting for tomorrow? Actually, for this next week, this next full week of games, the next five games for the Los Angeles Lakers? You
1: know what, Gerald? I really uh, expect – all five games to be a concerted, focused effort, regardless of the team, regardless of the record. You you come in, you pay attention to your own house, you pay attention to your own teammates, uh, everything else will take care of itself. A lot of, a, they need a lot of work, they really do. Uh, I just don't, um, I'm not confident that everybody reads uh, their daily scouting reports. Uh, so I expect uh, if that's not going to happen, then you come out with the, at least the right attitude and the right frame of mind um, to focus yourselves on getting on a heater here. You've won, you've won two in a row. Guess what? You win the third one? I'm going to quote uh, Major League here, Gerald. That's a winning streak. Absolutely. So, so if you could if you could fundamentally psychologically get on get on that word and winning streak, a winning streak can stack up, Gerald. It starts at three. Maybe get it to five. And then seven. And then eight. And then when you get to eight, you get closer to double digit winning streaks. But you gotta start with three first. So I expect them come out with the right attitude i expect ad to have a gerald i'm gonna just gonna put out there i think he's gonna have a
0: 40 20 game um because remember it's a back-to-back the lakers to have two home games in a row in two successive days
1: yes yes absolutely um it's it's gonna be a, a a big effort uh i expect ad to dominate and i expect lebron to sit and uh, we'll worry about uh, Sacramento when uh, that the chips fall where they may. There,
0: once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is the Magic Man Sean Grice, along with me, Joe Glassford. Thanks so much for watching this. If you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to go ahead and send it. Riddell send us another email today in regards to Cam Rash. <laughs> I, he's probably just somewhere. I think he's on the, he said he's on the East coast, just driving along and just thinking about Cam Reddish. You know, he is playing well and he did wish him well. Uh, his uh, you know, he's just, he's hoping it works out for the kids. So his, even his vernacular in regards to Cam Reddish has changed. And it's good to see, you know, I have been able to eat a lot of crow when it comes to Cam Reddish, because the fact that I did not want him on this team, I was, poo-pooing it from the get-go, back, way back in December when you know it started trending on Twitter that he should come to the Lakers, and I didn't realize he had that versatility and defense in him. In regards to that, he never showed this in Atlanta, never showed it in New York, never showed it in Portland. But now he's showing it here. The offense—I know that was something where he thought he was noted for—has seemingly been inconsistent. Uh, you know, at, at some point in time, like I told. Rodell, when Max Christie and him had, what, 18, 18 opportunities no. at that point in time to go ahead and have a decent game. The odds are going to tell you that an NBA player, we're given 18 different opportunities between those two, are going to have a decent game at some point in time. We've seen that, and now we've seen him have two good games. Hopefully that can continue. I'm not counting on it, and nor should you.
1: No, no one should. Um, now the
0: defensive end that should always remain paramount if, if he wants to stay in the league. Uh,
1: you know what, Gerald? <clears throat> Offensively, let let's let's be let's be frank, or let's be Joe. No, I don't want to be Joe. I want to be Sean. Anyway, <laughs> Cam Reddish's offense reminds me of visiting a Vegas casino, Gerald. you go to a vegas casino for the experience especially you you know you're not gonna win the big pot you're not gonna win the car you're not gonna walk out of there (laughs) with bags of money it's an experience so you gotta if you're gonna pay the ticket take the ride you gotta enjoy the experience and i know when i go to vegas i'm only bringing about a thousand dollars with the I'll have probably nothing left when I leave, but it was a great experience because it was an experience, and that's what it is with Cam Reddish. His offensive production is an experience, and an experience can be a good thing or a bad thing, and with him, it's a little bit of both with a side order of, you don't know what the hell's going to happen um over the course of an 82 game season, other than the fact he's going to get into another slump.
0: At some point in time, it's it's he's just not a consistent enough player, and he just doesn't have as you can see, everybody out there, you can see just there's just flaws in his game, unfortunately, that at this point in time he's not gonna overcome. But we're gonna try and see if we can get him to be the point where if he can give you a decent amount when he's out there, eight to ten points. I think that's that's asking for right, right the, the right amount right there. I think that's asking for the right amount. I don't think anybody should be putting too much on the kid, especially the fact that he's playing good defense, and that's why he's out there. That's why he's continuously getting a shot. As i tried to tell Rodell, the reason why he was getting a shot continuously for more minutes over Max Christie was the fact that, yes, both are stinking it up from the offense, but he was consistently getting a shot because his defense was better and versatility was better than what Max Christie was giving you right now.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we, we talked about it. It was uh, it was going to be an arms race between those two about who wanted the, the minutes more. You saw, you've seen it so far. It's Reddish's want over both of their wills. He just wants it a little bit more than both of them are willing it.
0: I'm just going to say to Dante, appreciate it, my friend. Mm-hmm. Appreciate the contribution to, to our great city here. Thank you. When you finally come here, he says, I'm walking out of Vegas a winner. I don't care what you all are saying. Might not be much, but plus money only. <laughs> I have heard so many people in my lifetime that I've been here uh, say that very same thing. <laughs> I'm coming out a winner. I'm coming out Plus. Uh, I've even said that myself when I go play on blackjack. That's my rule. I usually try to stay in the positive, whether it's only $5 or what I'm usually trying to stay in the black on that one. But yeah, I've heard so many people say that. And as I always say, or as the adage always says about Vegas, this town was not built on winners. And I'll leave. No, you that. <laughs> no,
1: it's, it's an experience. It's an experience for me. I, 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 I know, I know, the belly of the beast. Uh, you don't come out a winner,
0: uh, Adam. Yes, he is. Max Christie is blowing it right now. I know he's a twenty-year-old kid, and I don't want to put any undue pressure on him. But he is playing for a new contract. He is playing for dollars. And they, if they tell you, like for instance, last, you know, going into after the trade deadline, Rui Hashimura played for that sparkling $17 million a year contract. Austin Reeves played for, yes, value or not value, whatever you want to say, 14 to $15 million a year contract. D'Angelo Russell, when he was shooting well, like against Memphis for those spurts that he can, that really turned on, he was playing for a new contract. So hey, Matt and Christie, same I, thing, I, a lot of money on the line. And if he's not playing well, it's going to be a struggle for him to get something more than a minimum.
1: Absolutely, dr- absolutely drilled, and he, even though he is his draft pick, if Rob Polinka can um, work out a situation where he gets a second-rounder or two second-rounders for a player like Max Christie to acquire a shooter or somebody uh, he believes uh, is going to actually be effective for the Lakers, then he will make that move. Um, yep. You know, Max, not only is Christie's uh place in the, the rotation in question his place on the team is also in question as well because he may not live to see the the outset of uh, his Lakers contract Gerald um at this point in time we we really don't know what the Lakers think about him at all you would think at this point you've had him in the building for you know, almost a year and a half Gerald. So you would think by now they know what they've got, and I mean, I, I, reading the tea leaves, the, they they'd be willing to bargain if you made a right if you made a great offer.
0: <laughs> well, now there's there's Laker players who the Lakers didn't have enough patience on for one reason or another mm. that have played well since they left the Lakers. I want to go ahead. We played against one earlier about a week ago in Mo Wagner who was discarded. He was a late first round draft choice and he was, he was sent to Washington pretty much discarded left for dead. I think he was waived thereafter Mm -hmm. came on as a free agent just before they drafted his brother. Look at him now. He's flourishing. And there's other Thomas Bryant at various Mm -hmm. points of time in his career has flourished away from the Lakers so there, are, there is a life for Max Christie possibly if he decides to leave the Lakers and he cares still hope for the kid yet. I'm just hoping that somehow the Lakers can find, you know, with their vaunted player you know, management, the player development that they supposedly have that's supposed to develop all these players and the proofs in the pudding. There's a lot of rotational players that were drafted originally by the Los Angeles Lakers out there right now. So the proofs in the pudding there, the problem is, they're out there and they're not playing for the Lakers.
1: Right, Gerald. They're 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 uh they're good putting for other franchises. The Lakers didn't uh wait out uh all the uh, finished product yet. Uh very true. I mean, you know, that Mo Wagner move really looks really looks uh, uh just like a kind of like a punch in the ear. It like it really hurts. <laughs> Getting punched in the ear is not good. And that's kind of what it felt like now watching Mo Wagner flourish with the Orlando Magic drill. 100%. Victor um, so, Zubats. Victor Zubats. Yeah. Just, you know, here. Get, go, go across the, uh, uh, the room, please. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I Kyle mean. Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma. Yep. So there there's definitely a a lot a list of uh woebegone and hopelessly given up names that uh made Rob Polinka eat it.
0: 34 points tonight for Kuzma.
1: Yes, it's uh, not the worst
0: team in the league, but still.
1: And they gave up a 43 point lead to the Toronto uh, Raptors over the Toronto Raptors. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I saw that tweeted out by Bobby Marks. Just absolutely terrible. That is a bad team for you, everyone. Definitely a bad team indeed. But once again, we're hoping that the Lakers are not going to be a bad team. So if you think we're too critical, you think we're too grumpy, uh, you think we should chill out and all that, you could always let us know. Or do you think we're on the money with our concerns? over the Los Angeles Lakers at five and five heading into what is going to be a very important week where they should, they're going to be favored in the next five games. The question is, will they go ahead and play like the favorites and play well? We'll have to wait and see, but they are having a back-to-back at home at the Crypt against the Memphis Grizzlies. Then right after that, the next day, Sacramento. So please join us starting with the pregame tomorrow where we talk about what's going on heading into the game against the Memphis Grizzlies. And of course, playback.tv slash Lakers fast break. Join the fun there. Magic man, Laker Tom sometimes stops by there. Laker Nick is always there. Great to have him. Part of that. Stone Hansen has been stopping by as of late. Joe Soro, you know, was there and he's uncut unfiltered. Although last night he was pretty unfiltered here as well. So go ahead and please join the crew today. Play at playback.tv slash so Lakers Fast Break. And then, of course, we close out your evening tomorrow and the next night with the best post game in town right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Magic Man, any thoughts on the Lakers or the NBA before we hit on out, my friend?
1: Uh, you know something, Gerald? Uh, just early thoughts. Um, Emmy Udoka, definitely front runner for Coach of the Year right now. Um, MVP. I think Gerald. It's it. It's as great as Embiid has been playing. That to me, it's the Joker's. Uh, I'd have to agree. I started out for me right Tatum. Yeah, Tatum. Yeah, Tatum.
0: Boston's cooled off just a smidgen. A smidgen. Yeah. So I say right now, Joker and if Embiid. You, I really would not give it Embiid because of one reason. Tyrese Maxey might be more the MVP than he is.
1: Yes, far be it well, for me. Too. Good point, Luca too. Far be it for me. Um, you know, I don't think he'll win the award, but um, uh, MVP. But Maxi is definitely going to win Most Improved Player. Uh, although that, you know, a lot of people look at that award as iffy, right? It, it's kind of like a backhanded compliment. But the fact <laughs> is, is that it's not only his offense that's uh, improved, Gerald. He's locked up. Uh, a lot of very good perimeter players Defensively as well So I would say right now most improved uh, Right now uh, Maxi's in the lead But Gerald Benedict Matherin Is uh, playing very well For the Indiana Pacers And, and that's another story to uh, To watch the Pacers and the Rockets uh, We thought the Thunder Would be a uh, as well an up-and-coming team, but it looks like the Rockets are are neck and neck there with the Thunder Drill. They've decided to steal a little bit of thunder from Oklahoma City as far as their youth movement is concerned.
0: I would wait to see. I want to give it another couple weeks, maybe another month before we finally determine if the Houston Rockets, Dallas Mavericks, Indiana Pacers, my God, that's a fun team to watch, they don't play anything resembling defense, but they're just, they remind me of like, I I feel like it's like the Doug Mo Paul Westhead reincarnation is being played out on the screen. Every time I watch Indiana Pacers, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's absolutely fantastic to watch. Unless you're trying to go ahead and, and, you know, be a defensive stalwart or just trying to go ahead and, point well, out defensive issues because there's plenty of defensive issues when Indiana plays, but again, a lot of fun on the offensive end.
1: Absolutely Gerald. And uh, 20, I think
0: 11, he's averaging 11 assists. Yes. I think. Yes. I think he's averaged over 12 uh, since uh, Jamal's been out of the lineup. So yeah, I think that brought him up to 11. And,
1: and, and as much as as much as LFB was telling the rest of the basketball world, Watch Philly flourish with, uh, with Maxie with the ball instead of hard. We said the same thing about Tyrese Halliburton. This is a superstar. We think the Kings made a very in-the-moment move that will not pay dividends overall, Gerald. And now we're seeing it uh, bloom with the Indian Pacers. And Gerald is correct. Uh, 20 years ago, in a full head of hair, Rick Carlisle would not
0: stand for this kind of defense. I'm he incorrect. Actually... I'm incorrect. He's averaged 11 since Jamal's it's... up, but he's only averaging eight on the season. My apologies. Okay. I, I want to. Yeah, wanna he started. He
1: started. He started out uh, sco- uh, scoring blitz those first three. I or also four want games. to correct
0: another mistake I made, Magic Man. Hmm. Uh, I expect Jimbo Fisher. I said I think 85 million dollars was the buyout. I'm so sorry. It was closer to like 77, 78 oh my God. Uh, and a half. Yeah. That's that's so, ungu- yeah. That's, that's so terrible. You know, <laughs> my gosh, where will he, you know, we might have to help him out for money for lunch. So,
1: Oh my God, Jared, do you want to talk about more money than brains when you're at A&M Aggie alumni? I couldn't, there, there's no way in how you'd get Duke USC Uh, people like Gerald to spend money on that garbage that they call Jimbo Fisher.
0: Well, it's the thing right now with Lincoln Riley. I mean, Lincoln Riley was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and they're gonna, you know, sign him to one of those make you know ten-year contracts after you know what he did. You know, Godfather
1: deal. Yeah,
0: yeah, but unfortunately, you know, we've seen what happens there. I still think, as you and I talked about, we thought that the coach that they should have given a bigger chance to, unfortunately, was not given a bigger chance to, and he went on to LSU and got them a a national championship. Now, mind you, he ultimately got fired after that, so it's feast Fam, isn't it? Yeah,
1: and Ocheron got Vogel too. <laughs> yeah,
0: so, yeah, I think he deserved a longer stay. He did. At he Ocher, did. You know, yeah, but yeah, you know, it's one of LSU. Reminds me of Texas A and M. Reminds me of USC. You'll have like one or two great seasons, but it's about sustainability, year in year out, and they don't have that with those programs right now. Uh, right, and that's that's the problem. USC is not the USC of the two thousands. When they had sustainability year in, year out. Yeah, it was Texas A M.
1: It was, it was cycling of talent at USC. Yeah. Yeah, it's
0: just it's just a matter of talent it's where it's going and how it's cycled and how it's utilized. And that's that's part of the problem. Oregon has consistently been a great team year in, year out. Washington now is great, but then they're going they have their, their off years as well. It's just these or there's certain and Gerald, the, that, the funny thing with Washington.
1: The funny thing with Washington is right. When they've and and we're getting off topic, we'll, we'll we'll get out of here soon. But the funny thing with Washington and Chris Peterson is those early Washington teams in the playoffs year were built on defense. Their offense was just anemic at best, uh, and now they're they're basically out out scoring, out shooting you. Um, so yes, like Gerald was saying, cycles happen, and it's about recycling and trying to change with the times. And, I mean, it's crazy right now, Gerald. Like, I think that's one of the worst jobs in uh, in, um, in jobs right now is being a college recruiter because it's a 24-7 job now. Free agency is 365 days a year because of the transfer portal. You never know when the next disgruntled kid is around the corner, just like in the NBA. And uh, it's just not – I don't think it's worth the stress, Gerald.
0: <laughs> zangerstein please do not give the clippers any ideas on how to fix their team we like them mm. just the way
1: <laughs> yeah we, we want them miserable
0: we'll be back with more of the lakers fast break podcast needing an edge for your fantasy football team Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Alan says, "Why are media people saying Austin is better than D'Lo? Is this just fandom of a player?" That's a good question because in spots, and but we'll go ahead and head out after this. But D'Lo, we saw in the past couple games as a distributor sometimes he can really, when he focuses in on being a playmaker, can really get the ball where it needs to go. And we saw his assist to turnover ratio, 11 to one. You can't ask much more on that. Yes, he's terrible on the defensive end. And ultimately that's in a playoff series, that's what would come to light as we saw last year. But why are we saying D'Lo is not as good as Austin Reeves as a player right now, my friend?
1: Yeah, that's... It's befuddling to me, honestly. That yeah, <clears throat> I would, I would sharp. I wouldn't sharpen my blade, uh, for Austin Reeves right now. They both have flashes. flashes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not. I, not either one is is pure pure iron. Um, but they both cut pretty well, and as Gerald said, both a little jagged as well. I, that's a great question. I think it could be a combination of, of both what Alan and Child were saying. I think it's a combination of, you know, somehow, you know, Austin just, you know, clean cut, um, middle of the country kid, Gerald, ah, uh, shucks, humbled um, versus, you know, delo has been in the league, you know, since 2015. Um, reputation kind of precedes him. Um, to be fair, he's... He has a better relationship with the media, Gerald, but at times he can be surly. Whereas Austin Reeves has been more uh conciliatory, accommodating. I've never really seen him be rude or impolite uh to any media members. I can't say the same thing about D'Angelo Russell. That being that being said, you know, um I I, th- I also think it's what Gerald has said as well. It's you see You see the positive effects that they both have, yet those positive effects are better when one of them is on the floor and the other one is not. They can't play together. Um, And I really don't want to see this kind of narrative where it's kind of divide and conquer. It's almost as if it's like um, Darwin's Choice, where he's got he's to choose between Dilo and Austin. I don't think it's a derby. I think, Alan, my,
0: my apologies for interrupting, but if you take a look at Alan's comments, tell me. Uh, let me go ahead and say it and then tell me what you think. I wanted you to add on to this. This is adding on to your conversation. That's why I didn't uh, interrupt you on that. To me, they're almost the same player. Just Austin gives effort all the time. Dilo has been better stat-wise, so I'm confused by this narrative. I think they are very similar players. That's I think, a very
1: good point, Al. Yep.
0: I think Austin's a little bit better off the ball. Dilo's a little bit better on the ball. They both can attack. As Z was saying in the chat, they both, they both can attack. Well, as Z was saying uh, Dilo is an attacker and scorer. I think they both can attack and score. I think they both can go ahead and be off ball. I just think one does it slightly better than the other. So you need them at various times in the game and utilize them properly. But that's the problem. They are too similar in their games overall, with their defensive deficiencies and their offensive strengths, to go ahead and play together at the same time. If that makes sense, Magic Man.
1: Actually, it 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 does it does in a sense, Gerald. Because at the same time, while they both have complementary skills, those complementary skills don't actually uh, are you know star crossed. Um, they tend to overlap and can kind of bog down what you're trying to do offensively because neither one of them um, can, it's really strong outside of their comfort zone. Um, That's part of the reason why he brought in a third guard there, but that particular guard hasn't um, made heads or tails of this problem either because you can't play them together and he's injured. So, you can't really evaluate this situation for 30,000 feet objectively without, without making some assumptions. And what happens when we assume Gerald, you make an ass out of you and me and <laughs> we've seen what happens with David. Ham has all the information he needs and how he can screw it up. So we don't really want him going off assumptions at all. Uh, and you know that it's a fair point, though. It's a fair point. Why is the narrative that there is somehow Austin is just seen a little more perceptually better than Dilo? It it's a great it's a great point Alan brings up, and uh, he's not the only one to bring it up. But he, the the way he framed it was absolutely correct.
0: I agree. Uh, well said, Alan. Uh, I know Z's in the chat. In that lineup of LeBron, D'Lo, and Austin, too many ball handler. If, you, uh, if LeBron was out of the picture, let's say for whatever reason, like last night, you had uh, them for a short period of time play with each other, uh, play on the same, uh, on the court at the same time. You need defenders slash shooters, three of them to, be, to round out your team in order to, for them to be effective. If that's the case, then it should be pretty good. But if you don't, if you don't have the defensive capabilities to take up the slack for their def- uh, defensive you know liabilities then that's the problem but yeah and that's what i see the redundancy is there between both of them they they have slight you know as far as one prefers to shoot more off the ball than the other but both can do it both can attack at the point of the at the point of the dribble they could go ahead and and penetrate through the defense but one does it a little bit more than the other You know, it just—it seems like they're very similar players, which again served us well at times in the in the playoff run. But once it got found out, and as we've seen, it's it's not been a pretty side ever since.
1: Yeah, no, Gerald. It's like um, it's like one one is Hellman's mayonnaise, and the other is Miracle Whip. It's 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 like a little different taste. Uh, look look a little different. The consistency, eh, it's a little different. But essentially, it's both. It's it's mayonnaise at the end yeah. of the day, as Gerald has said. Like a little dissimilar games, and Gerald is pointing out, this one does this a little bit better than that one. This one has flaws defensively over, and so that's the issue: is that you can't play two players who basically perform the task of the same person together. You need you need change. And not for change's sake, it's because you require a different set of skills out there. Look, if 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 either Austin or D'Lo, and D'Lo could do it earlier in his career, not so much anymore, but look either one of them had a predilection, a force, and a purpose to be slashers, the Lakers could very well experiment with... a Four one five one 5-out offense, but neither one of them could do that. If Cam, if Cam Reddish was a great catch-and-shoot player, his use as a cutter and a driver would be exponentially significant for the Lakers' offense, but the fact is he's not a very good catch-and-shoot player, so that point is moot. There are flaws along the offense, especially considering the fact that you're playing behind the eight ball with the injuries on top of Darvin Ham's what can only be described as a five-out motion offense that's not a five-out motion offense. And it's predictable at best, and at worst, it's a clunk show. That's the best way I could describe it with PC language. It's a clunk show out there at times when it's really bad. And five and five is five of five. We won two in a row. We need to win five more, Gerald.
0: I agree. Wholeheartedly agree on that. So are we being a little bit too harsh? Are we being a little bit too critical? Are we being a little bit too grumpy when it concerns the Lakers, my friend, before we head on out,
1: I would say grumpy. Yes. Harsh. No.
0: Okay. Maybe a little grumpy, but then again, it's because we are concerned as we're concerned because we're huge fans and supporters. And as much as we enjoy talking to everyone here, we're going to tell you truthfully how we feel. If we tried to butter things up for you, if we tried to go ahead and paint that rosy type of, you know, we put on the Laker Tom purple and gold, colored sunglasses and just try to you know tell you that everything's going to be okay. I think you're kidding yourself if that's the case. I mean, if you want to go to those other channels, some of those other channels will paint the rosiest picture for you, even if it's not the truth. And that's just not us. That's not what I started four years ago. That's not what, how I feel four years ago. I was saying even before I went and started the show, how I felt about the Lakers each and every day to anyone who would hear me. And now I'm doing that again, even more so. You know, Joe, he tells people, you know, out on the street uh, or as Ox 1947 at LakersBall.com, how he feels specifically. So this is, you're not getting different versions of us. If you hit me up on the street and you say, hey, Gerald, really like what you do with the Lakers fast break. Are you guys really that mean? Or do you, do you guys really feel that way on the Lakers? I would say yes, because we have seen so much of the NBA over the course of, decades of watching this game that this is how it can go if the Lakers don't make changes or don't apply themselves in certain ways to go ahead and make it sure that it stays a positive instead of a negative because five and five to me is a tipping point. It can go one way or the other. hundred percent, Gerald. It's like a bridge. Now the coach is concerned. I mean, we went all into detail on that on the Saturday show Magic man, you know, if you want to lay in some thoughts on Darvin Ham or do you want to save that for a rainy day, or do you want to gauge it a little bit more after ten games?
1: I think uh, I think we'll gauge it a little bit more, okay. Gerald.
0: Darren says, basically, Gerald, you picked the wrong game to start uh, to stop sniffing glue. Oh my gosh, the naked gun references—they're flying. Airplane was the last time. Now it's naked gun, indeed. So um, I'm not sniffing glue. Sorry. I say it. I call it how I see it, and that's what I'll always continue to do. Yes,
1: there were there were a few there were a few of them for Lloyd Bridges in that one. He had a lot of vices in Airplane.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely from Airplane. Yes, this, that that's that's where you know for Airplane. I also love Leslie Nielsen and you know the Zucker's. They're just absolutely just tremendously gifted comedic uh, directors, and yeah, they. I think there was recently they celebrated an anniversary for Airplane and how how good that movie was yeah you're right lord bridge is uh absolutely you know just a constant chain smoking as the you know the situation became more more dire started sweating profusely and you know, the other yeah that was that, his assistant was really <laughs> funny he came oh, i forgot his name but he was really you if you watch the movie you know who i'm talking about. he yes. always came in with a snide remark or a snide comment just when you needed it absolutely <laughs> it's hilarious absolutely hilarious uh zangerstein says uh which saying alan they're generating threes by currently they're only they're 25 on makes for wide open threes they stink, zangerstein they absolutely stink on threes there's just no way two is about when you are the next to last team in three-point percentage that tells you right there yes uh airplane you're kareem abdul jabbar no i'm not <laughs> shut up kid Yeah, absolutely. Just my
1: my 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 dad says you don't try as hard as you're supposed to. Kareem, well, tell your dad he just have to bust his ass against Bill Walton
0: and Nate Thurmond forty five minutes a night. Exactly that that was just a hilarious hilarious movie. My gosh, you know, and it's a movie that would not be made today because it does not meet along those politically correct guidelines. So. Uh, I'm glad we got it when we got it. And then you could just take it for what it is as genuine comedy of the day that should not be taken seriously under any circumstance. It's just sit back, enjoy, and laugh. It's that simple. hundred percent, Gerald. I'm really worried about the Naked Gun reboot and revival with Liam Neeson. I really am worried they're going to dumb that down. I am just, yeah, so worried about that for so many reasons. But... We'll see. I mean, they already ruined the Fletch. John Ham, great actor, but yeah, absolutely ruined the Fletch remake on that. So yeah, definitely uh, do not want to see Liam Neeson do the same. But once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is Magic Man, Sean Grice, along with me, Gerald Glassford. Tomorrow, we've got a full day planned for you and the next day as well. Don't forget, pre-games for both days, Tuesday and Wednesday. First up against the Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday. Against the Sacramento Kings, both games at the crypto.com arena. Don't forget as well, we're on playback. Playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. Join the gang for a whole bunch of fun. And then of course the post game. The best post game that's out there and the best chat room that's out there is of course the Lakers fast break. Magic man, just so hate just so great to have you back in the saddle with me. Any last thoughts before we head on out, my friend.
1: You know Gerald. I don't think we're grumpy. I think we're in the midst of a very bad recurring dream that we're trying to wake up from. And maybe that's a a disassociation with the harshness because we're seeing a bad dream and we're just describing it back to everybody.
0: Well, I just put it out as far as the odds. How many? Uh, what are the odds of teams constantly coming back from losing records to get to as far as where the Lakers got to last year? Last year was almost a one of a kind
1: season. It was. It was. It was a one of a kind season
0: for a team to go two and ten to get to the Western Conference Finals and have an opportunity to get to the finals, like we did. It's just not heard of. And so if that's the case, the odds are against you from doing that again, if you should start the season poorly. So that's why I'm saying these next games are critical. If the Lakers go 10 and five after the next five games or uh, nine and six, you know, some team, you know, they have to play above 500 ball from this point forward. And if they can do that, then our minds will be at ease a little bit better. And we'll be less cranky, we'll be less grumpy, and we'll be less critical if that's the I, case.
1: Absolutely, Gerald. And just and just remember, when we made that trade, we were twenty five and thirty one. So even after that two and ten start, the Lakers really only went twenty three and twenty one. That they, they basically played five hundred ball up until that point to get to a point where they were just as as close to five hundred as possible, and it took you. Until the last week, to get over that hump, a lot of things worked out your way last year. I don't see that happening again. I, it's, especially given the environment that you currently find yourself in, everybody everybody had a whole summer, especially in the Western Conference to watch Darvin Ham's uh, coaching, Throughout not only not only that Denver series, but looking back on what he did against Memphis and Golden State and Gerald, it's a copycat league like all leagues are. As soon as one team finds out something to exploit, the next team will try to exploit the same thing. Until you have a hold on the the breach, and until you hold the breach, they're gonna keep pounding Gerald. It's gonna be catapults, swords. All kinds of weapons, and you've got to be willing. You got to be willing to make that adjustment. And we're concerned that through ten games, seen it, hams up and down again.
0: We'll see what happens, my friend. But it is the Lakers tomorrow against the Memphis Grizzlies, and then Wednesday against the Sacramento Kings. We'll see what's going on with that. So please go ahead and. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you stop on by. Subscribe if you haven't already to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. So, for Magic Man Sean Grice, it's me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks again for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. Zanger Science says, True, Sean. That's why the Cavs and Wolves beat the Golden State Warriors. They've got the Lakers book. Well, that's the only thing that, that bothered me is that all I heard was this praise on how the Golden State Warriors were doing so well mm-hmm. to is the start of the season. And you look. They're just right above us at six and five so and then magic man when are you going on the sun's podcast funny how they've been very quiet about bringing you on you and joe
1: yeah, Gerald, that they're dealing with a, a lot of problems on their own. Oh, I feel so bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks as it looks as though there's almost a civil war brewing with the uh, the Suns fans, Gerald. Half of them want Vogel fired, and the other half
0: don't know what to think. I can't believe that they were saying in their chat as I was looking at it the other day. Uh, on off, you know, off time and whatnot that they want Chris Paul some of them wanted Chris Paul back and that was just like I can't, I can't believe my eyes
1: yeah when Gerald told me that I had to go back and see for it myself and it's I took right pictures I took pictures just to make sure so I have evidence for them next
0: time they want to bring that up scary absolutely oh, scary indeed But once again, it is the Lakers' fast break. We'll find out what's going on tomorrow. We'll provide you the full pregame, whether or not LeBron. Hopefully, we'll find out or know for sure if he's going to play tomorrow or Wednesday or both. And then also, of course, playback.tv for the full live game coverage. And, of course, the best postgame in town starts tomorrow night as well right here at the Lakers' fast break. Thanks again for joining us. Please like and subscribe. Don't forget our merchandise store. The link is in the description below go ahead and stop on by. Some great holiday gifts are right there waiting for you to go ahead and get a loved one that loves the Lakers fast break. So go ahead, or at least go ahead and, you know, give the subtle hint to a loved one. Hey, hey, honey, how about some Lakers fast break merchandise? That would be a great Christmas gift. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Something like that. So you can go ahead and order right there. And then as we've already seen, Henry got his, Darren got his, Sean, Joe is already wearing his. So, yeah, you can go ahead and show off your Lakers Fast Break merchandise indeed. So, go ahead and check out the link below support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. So, for Magic Man Sean Grice, it's me, Gerald Glassford. Again, thank you so much for watching and listening. We'll see you tomorrow for a full day of coverage right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.